If you've been listening to our podcast, you've probably caught on that we believe it's essential to optimize your nutrition during pregnancy and postpartum to support you and your baby's well-being. And although eating a healthy, well-balanced diet is crucial during these times in a woman's life, it might not be enough. Pregnancy and postpartum greatly increase the needs for certain nutrients, and to make things worse, factors such as stress, caffeine and sugar consumptions, poor sleep, and even chronic health conditions can all dramatically increase nutrient needs even more. That's why we decided to partner with Seeking Health, a high-quality supplement company that offers a variety of supplements to help you optimize your nutrition and get everything your body needs during these unique times in your life. Their supplements are made with bioavailable, pure ingredients in CGMP-certified facilities in the U.S., and they have an award-winning prenatal line. They also offer a rewards program, so make sure to sign up for an account when you make a purchase to save money on future orders. Click the link in the show notes to shop for Seeking Health Supplements today. Now on to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to Modern Moms Wellness Podcast. I'm Renata, and this is Jenna, and we are here to discuss with you all things motherhood and the journey through the process with simple and practical advice and guidance. With that being said, we have reached episode seven, which is another guest episode with my dear friend, Brittany Santa Barbara. So Brittany's... (laughs) Hello. And so Brittany started her nursing career at Albany Med NICU and worked there for about a year before going to um, work in the labor and delivery department. She was a labor and delivery nurse for six years and then transitioned to the nurse educator. Her experience as a labor and delivery nurse Oh, I'm sorry. Nurse has taught her so much. She feels being a part of someone's birthing experience is so special. Generally, it can be a very happy and positive experience, but really it's a very vulnerable it's very vulnerable and both labor and delivery come with challenges that society doesn't really talk about, such as significant postpartum hemorrhage, unplanned emergency cesarean birth, hypertension and preeclampsia to name a few. In her role now as the nurse educator, she helps with updating hospital policies. So she does a lot of research on current practice and maternal health. She also teaches classes like fetal monitoring. What she likes most about her new position is that she can get creative and come up with new ways to educate as well as figure out what is most needed on the units and in the hospital. She also has two kids. Her son Brayden is seven and her daughter Cameron is four. She had two totally different experiences that, with them, which helps her relate to her patients. So this is Brittany, and I just, Hi, to, I just have to say that Brittany and I have been friends for 20 plus years or something, long, I think. Yeah, yeah forever. Long time. <laughs> so I've got to see, you know, her go to these different roles and have her kids, and it's just been really beautiful to to witness so yeah yeah, can can you tell us a little bit about the differences between your births yeah sure so um with Brayden um he's seven and when I had him um I was I was pretty young um and it wasn't necessarily like something that was planned so it was a little bit of a surprise so I think um even with that there was you know some like obstacles I guess I had to face with not knowing a lot of um, 
I don't know, a lot of challenges that come with being pregnant and then, you know, going through um, birth. But um, I was also, I just started off as a nurse at that time. So I was able to kind of learn and understand some things. But with Brayden, I had him at 30, um, when he was 34 weeks gestation. So he was preterm. And so that was, you know, a little bit scary, but like I said, I was a nurse. So like I had a little bit of an idea of kind of what to expect. Um, But uh, my delivery was interesting. It was pretty quick. I want to say for my first labor, Um, my water broke at 34 weeks. I went into the hospital. Um, I was in active labor. So um, with a risk for infection, they wanted to go ahead and induce me and not wait too long um, because I was... um, my water did break. So um, they went ahead and induced me. And then I had him like 12 hours later. Um, and I did get an epidural. So I had that experience. And then um, he was in the NICU for about a week and I got to take him home. And then we faced more challenges with um, just like breastfeeding. And um, because when they're preterm, you know, it can be hard to get a good latch. So then I was pumping and so I had some challenges with that. And then when he was seven weeks, he ended up getting meningitis, Yay. which kind of threw a whole other curveball to us. Yeah. Um, so then I had to bring him back to the hospital and he spent about a week there, took him home. He was on, um, he got a, a pick line, a port. Um, I had to give him antibiotics around the clock um, four times a day, plus continuing pumping. Um, so th- there was a lot of challenges. Um, with that. And, you know, looking back on it, I definitely want to say there was some, you know, postpartum depression that I never realized, and you know, until, until I like, kind of sat down and really thought about everything that happened. Um, so then um, we knew we wanted another kid, but we wanted to wait a little while. So um, we ended up, you know, having my daughter, um, they're about three years apart. And I was, of course, nervous, you know, about going into preterm labor again, because that's always a risk. Um, So there was a little bit of nerves, but I also knew, like, this time, like, I wanted to, like, you know, check in on myself and make sure, like, if I was going through any kind of, like, depression or um, that I wanted to, you know, look into getting help if I needed it. But anyway, so um, with Cameron's birth, it was um, my... Or I, was, I ended up making it to 40 weeks, which going from 34 weeks to 40 weeks was like, you know, a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, I'm, I'm over this. But anyway, I was thankful to have made it full term. And then um, I they did break my water at 40 weeks. And I had her like an hour later, no epidural. Crazy. So that was like, also crazy, like, happened so quickly mm-hmm. um so I do like that I kind of got the best of both worlds like you know again like relating to my patients with you know a 34 week preterm delivery having an epidural laboring and then you know making it 40 weeks no epidural I definitely felt that pain so um it is nice to kind of see both sides and relate to my patients like patients on that level and add in for Cameron it was like the middle of summer or like really hot summer yeah. time, like July oh, I want to say too like my first pregnancy um I don't know if it was because I was younger or what but like it was pretty easy I felt fine um 
leading up to, you know, going into preterm delivery. But then the second pregnancy, I had sciatica and mm-hmm. I was uncomfortable all the time. It was miserable. So, um, yeah, definitely two different experiences. Yeah, definitely the best of both worlds for sure. Yeah. I feel like Jenna, I feel like Jenna, you could relate to that too. Yeah, I can definitely relate. And then mm-hmm. it's actually funny. My um, firstborn is my son, Eli, and my second is my daughter, Maggie, and they're three years apart. And I had my son when I was 24 years old. So it was it was a little early, earlier than I expected. It wasn't planned like <laughs> like you. Um, and he came <laughs> yep. at mm-hmm. around 38 weeks. Um, so he was a couple weeks early. And... Um, but was in preterm. And then my daughter came at 40 weeks in like two days or one day or something like that. So yeah, even just mm-hmm. that extra couple weeks, Very I feel similar. like <laughs> like they grow a lot just in those last two weeks. So yeah. you, you get like the full, the full uncomfortable yeah. feels. Um, and I, I definitely relate to um, the idea of having postpartum depression and not realizing it when you're there. Um, and I don't think I fully realized that what I was experiencing was postpartum depression until probably a year postpartum. Yeah. Um, and that was part of the reason why I spaced my kids out three years um, because um I just, I didn't feel ready until that time. Like it took me a while to feel ready and I wasn't, um, fortunately everything, pregnancy and birth went well with my, um, with my son, but the biggest thing was postpartum and the issues that came with that kind of, um, not really knowing what to expect with certain things like breastfeeding issues. And, um, so Mm -hmm. I, I was more worried about postpartum again um, after having my daughter, but it it was easier the second time around. Did you find that to be true for for your situation that um, it was it was easier or was it similar? Yeah, so um, same thing where I wanted to space out the three years as well because I just didn't feel ready. Um, it was challenging that first year and. Um, I also appreciated the time that I got to spend with my first, you know, mm-hmm. versus like, you know, getting pregnant again, like pretty quickly after. So I did like appreciate like getting to know him and have, building that bond together. Um, but I will say that um, I was nervous about the postpartum. And um, I think what helped was um, one, I, as I continued in my nursing journey, I learned a lot more. But two, um, my friends started having kids too. Mm-hmm. And I think the support is like so important. I, you know, there was like prior to that, I feel like there was no one that was going through what I was going through. So it was hard to really talk to people. Um, and then as I started, you know, my friends started having kids or like working at work, you know, a lot of my friends at work had kids. So it was easy to like bounce ideas off of them. and you know, would you do this? Or, you know, um, that made it so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that part too. Having kids young, not having any friends with kids. It's still that way though. <laughs> like none of my friends really have kids. Yeah. Um, wait, they, they don't. I mean, I know yeah, you have other friends I, than the ones we have together, but yeah. 
Yeah, one of my good friends from high school has kids, but she doesn't live close, mm-hmm. um, and her kids are younger. And um, but my sister-in-law, fortunately, Matt's or my husband's um, mm-hmm. brother's wife, they had kids the same time that we were having kids. So that was really That's nice good. to be able to um, communicate with her. They live in New York, but um, it was nice to have someone going through the same thing at the same time. Um, but do you? So working with moms, um, I feel like there's a lot of things that aren't really talked about before um, women give birth. And um, so does that ever come into into play, like talking about beforehand, like finding people who can be part of your support group, you know, finding other moms? Um, what kind of ways do you help other moms um get that support system in place before they give birth? Yeah, so um, unfortunately, I don't really see the moms during their prenatal care unless they come in for like an evaluation. Um, By the time they come to labor and delivery, you know, they're kind of ready to essentially have their baby. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think that there could be a lot more in that prenatal period. I will say that I think that social media has helped a lot I mean, I think that there's a lot of negatives with social media, but as far as Mm -hmm. like pregnancy and um, like birth information, I think social media is good. Like, you know, you're able to have that information like just by scrolling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's nice that like organizations that um, support, you know, women's health and stuff are on like Instagram and Facebook and they're updating and posting. um, And then people are sharing those posts so that you're getting, like actual, um, what, what's the word I want to say? Um, like, like quality education. information. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's it's from a reliable source. I will mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I think that that helps with um getting you know moms or patients to um start to understand um, before they go into labor. Um, but I do think overall, like prenatal care, um you know, there could be some more like education during that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you feel sure. that, I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you feel that, that there, that there are ways to implement that within your new, um, your new career, like the new position that you're in? Do you feel like that's something that you could add into like new education courses or um, more for prenatal and then stuff for postpartum? Are there ways to implement those types of courses into your um, position or could you create those courses or something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, at the hospital, we do offer community education classes. Mm -hmm. I know that there are like, um, you know, early childhood preparedness classes and um, breastfeeding classes and things like that, that I think are helpful. Um, The, I probably one of the biggest hurdles is actually getting people to go to those classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of times it's trying to meet the patient where they're at because, you know, for whatever reason, they might not be able to make it to a actual class. And then um, I think I, I'm not as familiar with the community education courses, but I will say I think probably around the time of the pandemic, they started offering them online and virtually. I think that they're still continuing those virtual classes, which is helpful for um, people who maybe can't make it to a class. But then at the same time, it's still getting people to, you know, attend those, even those virtual classes. Um, So something that I like 
I want to focus on in the hospital is, you know, informed care. Um, and so often I think it's easy for like nurses and physicians and midwives to kind of fall into their routine of, you know, this is what we do. Um, but just making sure that we sit down with patients eye level and explain everything step by step, treating them as if they know nothing is so important, I think. Because um, I will say, even as, you know, a new mom who was a nurse, you know, um, there's still a lot I didn't know. And, you know, um, it would have been, like, it would, it would have been nice, like, to know, and I could have done my own research. But then again, like, I just, I didn't know what to research, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think just like, you know, sitting down with patients and meeting them where they're at, looking at them and explaining everything step by step, letting them know the warning signs, you know, kind of right off the bat so that they know what to look for as far as, um, you know, even things like the eclampsia, letting them know that like a headache is a symptom that mm -hmm. we might not think about, you know, um, Mm -hmm. so things like that yeah yeah so those are so you're kind of implementing more of that the informed care side of things to encourage mothers to learn about the prenatal and then is that also something that is done with postpartum too do you have like any type of come back you know in a few weeks and talk to us about postpartum care and yeah so I think that overall like I am fortunate to work where I do, and I think like all the nurses that I work with are so passionate about mm -hmm. you know their patient population. Um, but you know that is something that's included in their education going home. And but then again, like um, you know when they're leaving the hospital with their baby, especially for the first time, and they're getting this packet of papers, and you know even though you're going over it with them, it's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people don't look back in that pile of papers because it's just like, you know, an, like, I don't know, a bulk of, of of stuff that they're like focused on this baby and how to take care of the baby and dealing with their body changes. So um, I'd like to, again, see, I guess, postpartum care reinforced after they go home from the hospital, too. Mm. Yeah, like check-ins. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you had your routine six week check in, but yeah. maybe even before that. And then, um, sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but no, I think keep. that um, some counties, yeah, some counties do offer like a nurse to come in and do like a check, you know, like a weight check for the baby. And then they also check on you and they do um, uh, like a, um, what is the word? Um, like a, a mental health screen yeah, for, like for you know, the, yes, for the patient. So I think that those things are good and helpful. Um, but not every county offers that and not all insurances cover it. So I think that's a challenge. Yeah, yeah that's one sure. thing we discuss yeah. is like the insurance side of things and why, why don't mm -hmm. they cover this? like they would for, uh, we, I know we've mentioned this in one of our first episodes is like, you know, a knee replacement, you get all this extra stuff, you know, after the fact, while a pregnancy is kind of just like, yep. Okay. You can go do your yeah. thing yeah. and you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Let's hope for the best. Yeah. So, yeah. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I feel like it would be really nice to have, um, 
more than one checkup after birth um, Mm -hmm. because it is usually that six-week postpartum checkup. And then there really isn't much after that, at least from my experience, my, I had my son that was a hospital birth. Um, and my second was a home birth. So with the first one, it was, um, just that six week postpartum checkup. And I didn't have no one. I mean, there's so many patients, so it's kind of like, how, how can you really check on everyone? But I feel like there should be more than just that six week, you know, like whether it's like an email follow-up or they do Mm -hmm. some sort of like texting system, you know, like every so often, because I feel like a lot of moms feel, um, feel kind of, um, like shame around asking for help when they, they feel like, you know, this is something that I should, that should come natural to me. This is something that, I should know or something like that. And in reality, that's, that's not really the case. Um, and so I feel like it would be nice to have someone reaching out because I feel like it, there would be less, um, less anxiety and shame around opening up and saying, yes, I am having issues with this. Yes, I could use some help with finding a support group or, or getting help with breastfeeding, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's easier that way than you know, contacting someone yourself. Um, yeah. At least that's what I've, I've experienced. But yeah, absolutely. And then I think too, like even I like I often wonder, like because even like finding a support group too, it's like you have to have that like willingness to go to a support group. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. think when I was, you know, with my first pregnancy, I don't think that like I even thought that's something that I would do is like attend like a mom support group I don't know yeah. so it's like how mm-hmm. do you how do you get that how do you get that support you need with yeah. uh, you know and feel comfortable yeah. about it I don't know yeah, yeah. and how do you encourage like yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah because like, especially yeah, it depends on I your personality gone, yes exactly would mm-hmm. I have gone if someone did encourage me to go or mm-hmm. like you know cause I definitely was not seeking that out myself you know Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even with, um, I remember that with breastfeeding too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you leave the hospital, they say, "Oh, you can always come back for breastfeeding support." And mm-hmm. you know, even though I was having some struggles, I never, I guess, I never thought to call the hospital and say, "Hey, like, can I come in for a checkup?" The second time yeah. around, I absolutely did that. The first time, I didn't even think to do that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wonder. I had a, a lactation consultant come to um, my house the first time, um, or my apartment after my first birth. And it was about two weeks, I think, but I was struggling that whole mm-hmm. time before I reached out to her. And I, it took me a while to, to reach out because I just, I had some shame around it. And it's like, Oh, yeah. I learned this in the hospital. And like, you know, why did it change when I came home and I should be able to do this or, or mm-hmm. kind of that mentality of like, Oh, it'll, it'll work itself out. I'll be able to do it. But then, you know, it didn't. And I was so thankful that I was able to have a lactation consultant come to my apartment because I didn't want to go out back to the hospital with my newborn. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's just, I mean, that's a whole process, like trying to do anything with a newborn. And mm-hmm. so like the support group that going out, kind of having like that um, being more introverted, kind of having a little bit of social anxiety, especially anxiety being elevated with with this newborn and 
all the th things going on postpartum. So I feel like now there's a lot more online support groups, which is great. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it's still, I mean, it's, you're still, it can still feel, feel kind of vulnerable and mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe not for everyone. I wonder. I remember there was one resource that, oh, go ahead. No, you, you, I was just going to say, I wonder how we can bridge that gap between like, cause I mean, in my opinion, I'm, I'm obviously, like I said, I've never given birth, but hospitals scare me in general. Like when I would go there and, you know, I think there's also that like weird, well, hospitals, you know, I don't know how to feel about them, but I wonder how we can bridge that gap, especially because when I've been at the hospital you work at, it's been, you know, a pretty good experience in my opinion. And, mm -hmm. you know, to have that good experience and granted birth is different for everybody. The experience can be very traumatizing, et cetera, and so forth. But the experience at, you know, should be worth it. And then bridging that gap between postpartum moms, breastfeeding moms, and reaching out after the fact. And I think the hospital you work at does a good job at least of creating a good environment for the birthing experience. So maybe there's other ways we can bridge that gap somehow, but I just, yeah, we, that could be something we all brainstorm at some point. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and I think you're absolutely right too. Like, you know, if you have a positive experience, you're going to feel comfortable, like maybe reaching back out to them and, you know, going in for help. But if you do have a negative experience or a traumatizing experience, you know, whether you had a hemorrhage or an unplanned mm -hmm. section, you know, you might have a different feeling and, you know, um, maybe you didn't get, you know, like, because things didn't go the way you wanted to, I don't know. So um, those are the people I feel like that might need that extra support and need it mm -hmm. most rather than they're, mm -hmm. you know, had that trauma. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I yeah, in hospitals, I feel like can just even if you even if it wasn't um, even if you didn't have any issues during um, pregnancy and birth in the hospital, even if everything went smooth, I feel like just having even like kind of like past um, uncomfortable situations like yeah. with your doctor and that sort of thing can can scare you away from going to a hospital. <laughs> I definitely, unfortunately, that I. I've had that experience yeah, had that going experience. to the doctors and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I think in, like in the informed care is so important, like mm -hmm. establishing relationships with patients and explaining everything and then empowering them, making them feel like they have decisions. So, you know, from uh, like a medical standpoint, like a nursing side or, you know, the physician side, like looking at like the fetal monitoring and seeing, what's going on and realizing that we're probably going to have to do you know a c-section on this patient that wasn't planning on having one um going in and you know hopefully having that time to explain to them you know this is what's going on this is why right um and even the time leading up to it you kind of a lot of times you do know like all right like you know we're kind of trending this way so keeping your patient updated the whole time and letting them know so that if they do have an unplanned c-section or something like that, then they at least knew, they understood, and then they feel like they have a say, like, mm -hmm. um, whether, you you know, your doctor's like, or I think that we should go now, or, you know, right. give them, like, you know, we can wait another half hour and see how it goes, you know, give them, like, some options, and, 
um, explain to them what's going on, just to make them feel that they understand what's going on in their care and that they're empowered to make those decisions. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think it's great that you um, say empowerment and like, you know, being able to, you know, like you said, even being in the medical side of things, like you have to have that medical side of you in your brain and everything going on when you're talking to them, but you can advocate and you can tell them like, you know, this is what we foresee happening. And Mm -hmm. one thing too is like, what's usually the timeline for you guys? Like, what do you guys, you know, how do you care for a patient that way? What's the timeline? How do you, you know, cause you said like we, we discussed like in a half an hour or um, do you usually do that when you see high risk? Do you do it before and after before regard, regardless of the, um, the, you know, the mother to discuss all yeah, of so these? Every patient, yeah. Every patient is different and you know, mm-hmm. it depends on like what they're coming in for. So are they coming in for an induction? Is it a spontaneous labor? Um, things like that and then you know if it is an induction and you you kind of like start with the cervical ripening and then in the morning they go on pitocin and then you know the um, patient is then you break their water and you know they go through that course and then all of a sudden you know you're continuously watching the fetal monitor and if a patient um, like the fetal heart rate is starting to drop a little bit you know, which is, can be normal or is normal. Um, but sometimes with the decelerations that happen, um, we're starting to think like hmm, something's going on, whether it's like, um, uh, you know, the fetal distress or whatnot. So um, a lot of times we can get like a little bit of warning, like, you know, just trending in this direction. And that's kind of when you want to inform the patient, I think, mm-hmm. like letting them know, you know, this is what we're starting to see. I always like to show them the fetal monitor mm-hmm. and say, like, this is what I see in the heart rate. So they have a visualization because it is something different and not, you know, who who knows how to how to read a fetal monitor if you're not like in the maternal field, you know. So I like to give them that visualization and then um, let them know, like, this is kind of what we're seeing. And then, you know, it might trend this way but we can do X, Y, and Z, whether it's position changes or give them some more IV fluids and things like that and explain to them, you know, we're going to try to fix it as best as we can. But, you know, this is what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. So that if it does happen where they might have an unplanned C-section, then they're not surprised. And they knew, like, you were doing everything you can to kind of prevent this for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question. So I... I feel like there's, I don't know, maybe this isn't like fact or whatever, but I feel like there's a higher risk of postpartum depression for women who have unplanned C-sections because um, they might have had an idea in their head of how they wanted their birth to go and it didn't go that way. Is there anything that you do for those patients that, that had a different um, idea of how they wanted their birth to go and they ended up having a, a C-section. Is there any extra monitoring um, to make sure that, you know, they're, they are being supported and um, if they do develop um, postpartum depression, like are there, are there extra checkups to make sure? Because I know even with a six-week postpartum checkup, you do the, um, the depression survey, but 
I feel like even, you know, sometimes at that point, it maybe it hasn't hit someone or, or that sort of thing. Um, is there anything long term that you do for those situations? So like after the six week checkup, you mean? Um, either or before or after. Yeah. Like, is there an, any extra um, check-ins or monitoring for patients like that? Yeah. So I think um, we kind of, in the hospital setting, I kind of have to treat like patients all, all the same, but then, you know, treat them with each experience differently as well. Mm-hmm. But we did recently implement giving them the, the uh, depression screening. Um, I think right before discharge. Mm-hmm. So whereas before they were just getting it at that six week checkup, but we did implement that they're actually getting it sooner. So that, you know, do we think like depression might happen like immediately after birth? Not necessarily, but it could. So it's kind of just like a, um, a tool that they can use, um, that they'll take the survey. And then it also kind of brings awareness. Like these are things you should look out for. So maybe they might not yeah, have that true. depression in the first two days, but they're seeing the survey for the first time. And now they know this is what I should look out for. And then hopefully, you know, call their doctor or reach out for support, you know, before, you know, that six week checkup is needed if they're, if they're noticing those signs. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I uh, love that. That's, that's actually really great. Cause like I said, like I didn't even really realize that I was experiencing depression. Um, so I feel like, you know, even though I had that survey, I kind of, I, I just didn't really click. And I feel like the sooner that you're exposed to it, and especially mm-hmm. if you're exposed to it a couple times, I feel like that, that is probably a better way to, to catch it earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so you have that awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think and that's then great. as far as like checkups after afterwards, like again, like we don't, I don't see those patients like in, mm-hmm. at Bellevue. We don't really see that, so I don't know. I don't know what happens yeah. to the mm-hmm. to the patients after that. You know, after the the immediate like you know forty eight hours, twenty four mm-hmm. to forty eight hours, or thirty six, you know, before they go home. So, mm-hmm. um, but it would be nice to have those checkups. I also, going back to that. uh, Offering more support. Go ahead, Renata. Yeah, I was going to say, just going back to that, um, that, that survey, um, after, um, the, sorry, I just lowered my volume a little bit. Um, I feel like going to grab that support, like right after potentially. So if someone has a potentially like unplanned C-section and then, you know, you do ask them, how do you feel, you know, right now within the, the next two days, they can at least tell you, this is how I'm feeling right now. Um, this was very scary. This was unplanned. This wasn't what I was expecting. What can I expect, you know, after the fact mm-hmm. with going through this type of vulnerable, potentially traumatizing experience? And then, then you can even bring more to awareness of saying, well, we suggest getting a therapist. We suggest reaching out. We suggest here are multiple support groups available in your area. Call us for if you're, you know, still considering breastfeeding. So like even that day of the potential unplanned C-section, just being like, how do you feel from, you know, nurse, but also friend by your side, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make that kind of connection with my patient type of thing. Like, 
I'm here to talk to you about this and say, these things could happen. We are here for you, but we're, we also want you to understand that, you know, there are places you can go, you can reach out, you can do things you could do. So yeah, I think right then and there, like Jenna said, just being exposed to it is even a great thing for patients. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And going off of that too, you know, obviously we know mental health is, you know, stigmatized and um, it can be an uncomfortable topic. Um, So I think that implementing that survey early on is good to start that um, discussion because I think even as, you know, in healthcare, it might be uncomfortable for, you know, the nurse or the physician or the midwife to bring up like, you know, how are you feeling? And, or they might not know to do that, you know, because it's still like, it's still like a, a topic that we're not comfortable with. Like, it's easy for me to say, you know, watch out for a headache, blurred vision, you know, epigastric pain when it comes to the warning signs for preeclampsia. But to say, you know, make sure you're looking out, you know, if you're overtired or sleeping too much or having thoughts, like, I don't know if that those are necessarily things that we're explaining as much. So it is something that you know, we should, like, it would be nice to start working on for patients so that they're having that understanding and feeling comfortable talking about their mental health. Mm. Yeah. Is there any type of education like that while getting a nursing degree? Like here, you know, like maybe a mental health, mental health course or something that you, you learn? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's definitely in your, um, in your nursing um, journey, um, your, um, schooling, you definitely do hit on some mental health, but Good, yeah. as much as like, we might, you know, we, it m- might be nice to have more of it, you know, and I think it is becoming more of a less stigmatized topic or, you know, people are starting yeah. to talk about it a lot more than we used to. So, you know, I hope that it is trending in a more positive direction to mm-hmm. you know, talk about mental health and how we're feeling and from depression and that it's okay and it's normal and you know, we're all here to support each other. I don't know. Yeah. Or, you know, here are your resources for that support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm always yeah, open. Um, always open about it. <laughs> we need to be, we need to be like, I am mentally ill and this is what I do to deal with it. So yeah, yeah I, I'm always talk about it. If anybody wants to reach out, they can always talk to me about it. So yeah. Yeah. And it's nice um, to have people like you who are willing to say, like, hey, come talk to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because it, be, it can be difficult to find someone to talk to because sometimes people don't want to jump right into going to therapy, um, mm-hmm. maybe because they've had experiences in the past where they didn't feel comfortable with the therapist that they had mm-hmm. and they tried a couple and couldn't find someone. And so it can be helpful to talk to someone who's going through it or has been through it. And, you know, maybe they have a, a great therapist that they talk to that they can suggest. Um, so that's really helpful. Um I'm curious, Renata and I talk a lot about nutrition and the importance of nutrition during pregnancy um, and during postpartum. And I'm wondering, is there, are there any sort of resources that are provided to postpartum moms, whether it's, you know, general nutrition advice on how to stay healthy during that time um, or nutrition um, targeted towards moms who are breastfeeding? Is there, is there anything like that? 
So um, in the discharge information, there is, you know, um, the information on drink plenty of water, eat these foods, you know, to help with your breast, with breastfeeding, um, you know, like high protein diets, things like that. Um, but I think it could be talked about more. It's something that like, you know, we read down our list, we go over like drink a lot of water, eat a lot of protein, things like that. But I don't know that we, I think it could be a more the importance of good nutrition nice um and i'm wondering like how how easy or difficult is it to um implement new strategies to help postpartum moms like is it is it like oh i have an idea that i think will be helpful you know whether it's nutrition or something different like i think we should amp this part up or i think we should add this is it that simple you know like i think we should do this and then we add it um or is it more complicated to to change what is being offered for um postpartum moms yeah so um what i like about my job is that i do have that ability to find things that you know might need to be fixed or updated um and then work on implementing those into practice you face challenges with you know having to go by hospital standards and focusing on getting what the hospital wants out first and then you know your new ideas kind of like kind of come back in almost um but I think I have been fortunate where like if I think of an idea I can like go to my team and say you know this is what I think and I think my team is very supportive of that and we all you know talk about it so I think if I, you know, bringing up, if we wanted to focus more on nutrition, I think that's something that we could definitely, you know, look to implement. And I never, honestly, I never really thought about implementing nutrition, um, but it is, it is important. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, for sure. If you ever need any ideas, I focus on um, postpartum nutrition um, oh, that's awesome. in my private practice. So I'm, I'm here if oh, you awesome. need ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm yeah, you can send me some ideas and I'd be happy to take a look and see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Jenna has a lot of experience in um, herbal medicine as well and herbs for women in postpartum and um, mental health and, you know, just dealing with that whole spectrum of, um, you know, symptoms and things going on. And she's, yeah, she's really good at pairing that type of stuff and nutri- Yeah. Yeah, it just it's yeah, it's in her blood. I feel like yes, yeah, she's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's like I went through like I don't know, just craziness. <laughs> you know, like becoming yeah. a mom. I feel like there's there's just a lot of changes, and I feel like that's it. Really, I guess a blessing in disguise. Like going through all the crazy stuff I went through, becoming a mom, um, allowed me to realize like a lot of gaps in the postpartum care. And I think that, um, natural, natural health solutions, you know, like with the nutrition and the herbs and even, even like lifestyle pieces as well. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot missing, but I, I really have noticed that more people are talking about it and I hope that it just continues to grow. And I think, um, I think it's really great, but also I think there's, there is that big missing piece of these are still just band-aid fixes. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, kind of like the way society is set up, 
it we are more isolated in the ways we live and um i i forget the term that was used but it's the idea that there's not like this kind of like third place that you go to so it's like the first two places home and work but there's not yeah. that third place that people go to anymore like they used to in the past um you know like a place where people can come and gather um and just be together and i feel like that's that's missing a lot mm -hmm. and i think i think the more that we can talk about these issues and the more people um express that they're struggling i think we can we can come together and we can put our heads together and we can be like you know we can't go back to well i don't know maybe not maybe we can but i feel like right now we can't really just you know go back to this village living where we're all together and yeah. all the moms are being supported by the families and the other moms and you know that's it it's just not the way it is right now so like how can we change things um improve things with modern living um yeah and so that's a big missing piece but i think we'll get there yeah and i <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. it's good to have people like Brittany in like the professional setting of a hospital too that are you know passionate about this as well and having your own kids and your own experiences and you know it's good that we have people like you that care you know and because as we said before hospitals can be a little intimidating and you care so when you have people like you in those roles it does make things seemingly better so it's it's just good to have the caring aspect yeah. I will say, like, I, again, like, I, I think I said this earlier, but I am so thankful to work with all the people that I do, because mm -hmm. I think that they also care. Um, and kind of like, uh, kind of like you, Jenna, I, when I think of, um, like, how I wanted my work, I think about my experiences. Um, so some things with, like, my new position, um, I wanted to kind of help with education with the nurses so that they can then educate their um, their patients. For instance, um, hospital orientation, it used to like our our hospital is kind of like a like a separate hospital from a bigger organization. Um, so I wanted to bring orientation like for the new nurses for our hospital. Um, and then I teach, you know, go over things like postpartum hemorrhage and hypertension so that they have that understanding of, you know, the reasons why we give these meds or the reasons why we're looking for these warning signs. And um, that way they have a better understanding when taking their medication. So that's yeah. something that I've been trying to work on, I guess. Um, and then also listening to the team, I think is so important. Like, you know, the nurses are, are the ones that are at the bedside with the mm -hmm. patients at all times. They know um, what, you know, they're on the front lines, they know what the issues are and the problems. So trying to listen to them and then come up with ways to, you know, help them and make things better. While still facing challenges with, you know, just working for a larger organization mm -hmm. and having to adhere to certain policies and regulations and new changes. Um, and the burnout of it all is, you know, something that we're kind of working through as well. Um, yeah. Sure, yeah, being I bet a nurse. burnout is, yeah. is huge. Yeah, I was just <laughs> yeah. about to say, I'm sure being a nurse can definitely burn you out for sure. 
now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just always there's always changes, and I mm-hmm. think that that just you know that in itself can be, you know, hard for anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing too that Jen and I love, you know, other than the nutritional, but we're both like holistic girls. Obviously, you know that, Brittany, and um, and I know what I love about you know your hospital is that you do have in the rooms a lot of like natural resources of you know, you have the birth balls, you have the tubs or the tub you can bring in, I think the shower, you have all these options. Um, are there, do you think that there will be a time where we add more holistic sides to, you know, the, the hospital side of things? Cause I know it's, it's tricky because there's a, a line that you can't cross, but, or whatever that you got to be very kind of yeah. like, okay, this is holistic. This is hospital or whatever. Like what's the line, but do you think there could be more things like, let's say more natural? I know, I know you do. I'm pretty sure you educate about this, but the natural labor resources. We've had a couple guests on mm-hmm. here who do somatic coaching. Like, are there things that can we eventually maybe bring those type of things in, or is that too, um, what's the word? Like holistic, I guess. Yeah, alternative. <laughs> Well, um, it's funny that you bring that up. So um, kind of like I talked about earlier, I do think social media is a huge thing True. with, mm-hmm. um, you know, our birthing, pro- birthing process. But mm-hmm. um, I, one of the nurses that I work with, he brought to my attention something that another nurse at a different facility they, was implementing. It was like a comfort cart where um, he looked for donations for um like the um, battery-powered candles to put around the room and um, affirmation cards and um, the galaxy lights and things like that. So it hasn't been implemented yet, Mm -hmm. but that is actually something that I'm going to work on to um, get those resources in um, to to give that option to patients. So, like, you know, if a nurse recognizes that a patient maybe wants to try, like, going naturally and you know no Mm -hmm. epidural or things like that they can go ahead into this comfort cart and pull out like the affirmation cards um the lighting um the aromatherapy so actually that is something that we're going to implement and i'm really excited about it love that yeah and then also um i think another thing is because nurses they are you know there is a lot of guidelines that they have to follow Mm -hmm. the documentation alone it's very challenging. So I do think, Renata, that like doulas are important, you know, because you're able to mm-hmm. be at that bedside with the patient. So I think maybe encouraging, you know, that doula support mm-hmm. um, is important. And, you know, you can help the patient with their labor when the nurse is maybe, you know, tied up doing other things or having other patients or whatnot so i yeah. i think that that is something that we allow at the hospital and it's, it's important too yeah yeah i felt really good going into the hospital as a doula you know um i it felt very like encouraged to be there so that was really nice where i've heard you know other people have had experiences where they're kind of like just kind of shunned to the you know they're like oh, the doula's here and and luckily in our area a lot of the hospitals do respect that line of work and I like that because it's, it's, it's necessary, you know, like you said, like not, you know, people want to go natural and people want the vibe and people want and a nurse, you know, can't always be there to be that 
guide and support. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think I love the comfort care package that yeah. you guys want. I'm I think excited. that's great. Like, yes. And, it's great. Um, and I think a lot of other hospitals are kind of getting wind of this. Um, I forget who the nurse is on social media that kind of started it, but I think that a lot of facilities are kind of catching on, which is really exciting. So mm. that's something to look forward to. Cool. Well, yeah. What else? I'm trying to think. Do you have any other projects that you want to just let us know about or anything? I know you said the comfort care package. Anything else that's really exciting that you're working on in the mix or anything even with your kids that you can provide, you know, to our our listeners? Um, I think, again, um, to go off the comfort cart a little bit, too, the other thing that this nurse had implemented was a, a pain man or a pain menu so listing okay. out all of the pain options whether it's you know the medications that we offer when they're appropriate um the epidural the um benefits of an epidural um nitrous oxide the benefits um verb nitrous oxide mm -hmm. and then um also adding in those comfort cart uh comfort care things like massage tools and position changes and things like that and having it on a piece of paper um, so that they, you know, going into their labor or um, their induction or whatever they're there for, they kind of have that front and they know, you know, what their options are, which mm -hmm. I, I think is exciting too. So that's something that I also want to work on when I hopefully get this comfort cart going. That's great. Nice. Um, Something that just like popped into my head was I feel like we we talk about moms a lot and like what is offered to moms in postpartum. And I'm wondering, like, is there any resources that are directed towards their their partners, you know, their husbands or whoever? I was going to bring that up, too. Like, is, that is a, a so important, especially during labor. Um, you know, if your partner isn't like helping you cope through this, you know, it's going to be challenging. And then mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, we see them like they get, they get nervous and they kind of shut down and, you know, they, they don't know what to do or, um, so that is actually something that I think we should also try to, you know, help the support person. Um, yeah. Yeah. What they can partner. do during birth. Yeah. yeah and also after be, postpartum. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. I think that mm -hmm. is important. Like, so, yeah. I don't know about anything. Oh, sorry. I was no, gonna say, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say that could be a sheet you all like a menu also in there that you're like the partner menu and you have like use this tool to rub her back or use right like that's what I mm -hmm. wanted to do with the position changes like you know mm -hmm. these are the things that you can help you know with the position changes and giving you know pictures and Love so it. that they can feel um you know a part of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that they're helping. They do like to have, I think the, you know, the support person likes to have a role and likes mm -hmm. to be given a job. So, you know, if we can give them a job to, you know, do this or that, I think that's meaningful to them. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and postpartum too, um, just mm -hmm. like giving that heads up, you know, like things are going to change <laughs> and um, just how, just preparing for that and ways that partners can help um especially if a mom is breastfeeding and doing yeah, a lot of 
a lot of the the care because I feel like especially with breastfeeding moms, the baby is with them a majority of the time because of that. And um, so there's just so partners, they, they have an idea of other things that they can be doing and um, not feeling like they're not involved with the process. Like how can they help in other ways with the baby and around the house and making mm-hmm. sure that the, the mom is, is being taken care of too. I think something in the hospital that we do do for that is um, pump moms or patients have to pump, right? Um, we always have the support person wash the pump parts. We teach the support mm-hmm. person to wash the pump parts so that again, like they have a role and you know, that yes. way the, the patient that's pumping, like, you know, they can just sit there, be done, and then the support person kind of takes over, cleans everything, puts it out to dry. Again, just like little things like that, I think. Yeah. Are helpful. Oh, yeah. yeah. The little things are, I mean, the, yeah. the biggest things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing, too, also, I think we can encourage for a comfort uh, care package for even the partner is skin to skin, too, with the partner. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like huge on skin to skin, even with the other parent. So, um, you know, mom just needs a break for, you know, just a second, uh, you know, because she's been breastfeeding all day on and off just because, you know, it's first couple weeks, just plop the baby right on the the partner and get that skin to skin going on there just so they can feel them. And I mean, there's so many benefits for both, you know, baby and yeah, it helps them create that bond too. Exactly. So great. Yeah. Yep, that's another thing to like put on that menu, like skin to skin, try yeah. it out. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have well, to show you my um my pain menu after I make I it. I love it. Yeah, I'm yeah. really excited to see that. Give me some suggestions. <laughs> hmm. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, how are we feeling? Uh, anything else you want to add in, Jenna, Brittany? Any any other comments? I just I I love what you're doing in your hospital and I hope that other hospitals out there are doing that because Mm -hmm. I feel like that's that's such a big step in the right direction when it comes to postpartum care and just helping moms get off on on the right foot and um, it can make a huge difference you know like going home is a whole nother story but I feel like if you can really just start it off on the right foot just the first couple Mm -hmm. days I feel like that's so powerful and I love that. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I, a lot of my ideas I get, I do get from other facilities too. So I think, like, mm-hmm. I would like to think that we are moving in this right direction. And like I said, social media podcasts like this, like, it's just all new, but it's it's good, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm here for it. So. <laughs> Thanks, Brittany. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think we'll we'll end it here because it was just such a positive episode. And I um, just want to say to our listeners again, you know, thank you for listening. This is episode seven with Brittany Santa Barbara. If you're just listening to our series for the first time, we provide new episodes biweekly at the beginning of those weeks. If you haven't yet, hit the follow button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to support. Also, if you have any questions, feel free to message us on Instagram at modernmomswellness underscore podcast. We appreciate the love. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye.